Hey everybody, this is Joe T, and I want to thank you for listening to Art at the Intersections, where we talk with artists about their art that is at the intersections of art, community, and social justice. I am so excited about our guest today. Our guest is Ebony Noel Golden, the amazing scholar, artist, cultural organizer. You know what? She got so much dope things to say and drop on y'all that let's just get right to it. So I am so excited to have my sister, my friend, Ebony Noel Golden here with us. And I'm excited about this interview. So how are you, Ebony? Doing well? I'm doing so good. I'm so glad to be um, talking with you. And yeah, I'm good. Very, very good. I'm in North Carolina with friends and family and Yeah, it's such a pleasure um, to be able to be out of the city, although I love New York, but it's such a pleasure to be here (laughs) and to get some rest (laughs) before business fall. Yes, indeed. So I always start off with this question. Um, Who is Ebony Golden? Ebony Golden is a... Ebony Golden is her mother's daughter. Ebony Golden is her father's daughter. Ebony Golden is a daughter of Texas, a daughter of Houston, a daughter of Louisiana. Ebony Golden is an artist, a lover, a thinker, a believer, student, a teacher. I have a lot of, Ebony Golden has a lot of questions. Like, I, I want to know, you know, and I think I've, I have built a life committed to journeying around questions and, yeah, queries <laughs> about life and people and nature. Um, I mean, you know, I could say any number of things, Joe, but I do think right now really identifying as a person, a spirit, a woman who is deeply committed to womanist and Black feminist technologies um, for creativity and art making and organizing and resilience cultivation um, is is feels real good in my spirit to say and um so yeah so i'll just i'll just stop there just so i don't ramble off into the sunset (laughs) um so um known you for a while and um it's been great to see how you use and leverage art and culture for Um, community and communal liberation. So I just wanted to get your thoughts about what is it um, from your vantage point about art and culture that makes them necessary tools for social change and liberation? So art and culture in relationship to liberation, there is no separation for me. Um, I do think, you know, I want to just pick apart a little bit art and culture. So 
for me, culture informs the way we do everything, including the way we breathe. The way I breathe is informed by my culture, the way we collectively breathe. And I do mean breathe like the, the physiological like activity, but I also mean, you know, along with the physiological activity, the way we breathe in terms of what really affirms our capacity to be alive. Um, culture is that. And, you know, and it's, it's grown for me what culture is from, you know, um, just being in spaces where people are always thinking about the practice of culture. And, you know, culture is not a static thing. It is a moving, growing, breathing thing. Um, being, organism, activity, action. And I do think that, you know, in terms of liberation, in terms of, of working and moving toward um, freedom, it is, it is a living, breathing thing. And, and culture helps me to understand, you know, um, um, how we are, how we continue to adjust and to grow and to, in some ways, inflate and take in more power and some ways deflate and let go. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking specifically about the body and the capacity of the lungs and the capacity of the skin, but I'm also talking about the collective communal body mm -hmm. um, in, the, in a similar fashion. You know, we choose, we are in, inundated in some ways by what it means to take things in and then we choose and we are inundated in some ways by what it means to let things out or to let things go, right? Mm -hmm. I also think that in terms of art, art is a vehicle to move culture. Art is a vehicle to help us understand how to breathe. Art is a way of breathing um, in the way that I have been just talking about breath. Um, and I do think that in terms of, of what it means, and then, you know, and we have some of the same teachers, Joe, so what it means you, to use our art as a vehicle to move culture, as a vehicle for breath, as a way of thinking about breath is absolutely, absolutely, I think, you know, tied to what, what we as cultural organizers talk about the strategic use of art. Mm -hmm. So if you know that, you know, if you, if you believe that art is a tool for breath, art is a vehicle for breath, then art is a strategy. And for me, the strategy is always how to get free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, it is integral to understanding art and culture and its relationship to liberation, integral to understanding art and culture and its relationship to liberation is um, understanding the capacity of the individual body and the collective body to move to, 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 move to um, this vision in the now and in the future of where we want to live and how we want to live. Um, and, and what we want as our truths and what we want to get, a, get rid of. Mm -hmm. What do we want more of? And what has been, 
you know, suppressing the breath, suppressing the movement, suppressing the activity of the individual body and the collective body. Um, culture is a way for us to understand what that respiration is like. Art is a way to, to breathe what we want that life to be, what we want that liberation to be. So, um, just of working for liberation that is not connected to, you know, art and culture. Mm -hmm. And so um, in our earlier chat this week, um, I was, um, my mind began to think about um, performances connection to what you were saying about the embodiedness of art and culture. And so um, I'm also curious um, to what you were saying earlier in our previous conversation about performance in this embodied practice um, being a form of um, a liberation technology. So could you talk about indeed. that as well? Yeah, indeed. You know, I. I have this conversation often um, with folks who who are training with me um, in multiple capacities. Like I have folks who train with me who are performance artists, and I have folks who train with me who are students of theater and students of performance, and I have folks who who I am mentoring in the in the kind of field of you know community based practice community practice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was a time where I did not understand that, and I was much younger, but still, there was a time where I did not understand the role of performance in doing what we just discussed, moving the individual and the collective body to liberation. Mm -hmm. um, I understood it as entertainment, and more, more so entertainment than anything else. I understood it as you know, as aspirations to get to Broadway. I understood, I had different understandings and different beliefs. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to sit with teachers and mentors years. It reveals something that is so culturally rooted and so culturally specific to my experience as a black woman. I'm sure it may be the experience of other folks too, but you know, really my experience as a black woman and being like in a space where art and culture is all we have um, and, and being able to embody our values, our beliefs, our technologies for liberation, our technologies for wellness, um, helped me to really ground myself in the understanding and in a practice of performance beyond you know the the um presentational mm -hmm. um so i think about you know the importance of of what it means to for me to have ritual embedded in a performance space and ritual means a lot of things to a lot of people but i'm talking about the ritual that your grandmother would know and love and trust, which is you greet people, you feed people, you make sure there's water for people. You know, there is a time to pray, a time to meditate, 
a time to give thanks to community, to God, to spirit, a time to share testimony of what it what has happened in one's life that has gotten them to this point a time you know a time to build something new a time to transform and transcend like all of these rituals um to me really remind me of the kind of ancestral practice of performance that isn't related to theater that isn't related to theater. And we gotta remember that. You know, I, we, I'm saying we, I'm talking about all of the people that come with me uh, mm -hmm. and me, but as practitioners, you do, I mean, I think you can be on, on many sides of the fence. For me, it's most critical and crucial that performance is a part of, is a, is a technology that I use to thrive, not just survive. Performance is a, a technology that I teach to people as a way of, of investigating the most intricate, intense, intimate aspects of our lives and ways in which to unblock. And this is not from a perspective of therapy. This is a perspective from a perspective of deep dramaturgical rigor and building story from there building story from that space as a platform not as a not as a product driven process but as a process that is about transformation and about you know creating again I'm, i probably would say this a million times the world that we want to live in mm -hmm. and what did you say that i said uh, performance is the embodiment of what what did i say a few days ago oh um just this idea of performance being um a technology of liberation so i'm just noticing that there's this through line of embodiment from what you said about art and culture to this idea of performing as um a way to embody liberation or a way to get to liberation well you know and that yeah and i do think that there is something about how can performance be a tool in the technology for liberation if you don't know the rituals that ground you and who you are mm -hmm. and i'm not really you know because it's this thing there's this a part of this default you know that that i am troubled by when we say ritual we think somebody else's ritual there's something about you know, what we, what we feel like a ritual should be. And even some, I'm talking about, when I say we, I'm talking about, you know, performance makers who have an interest in ritual. Like what we feel like a ritual should be and, and how far away from where we come from that might be, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, it, it, to be, a big part of being free is to, is to really investigate, well, how did your people get free? How did your people get free? And what did they do in those intimate spaces? I, I really am kind of like on this intimacy kick right now, even though I'm making a work that is public and big and out in the streets. But nevertheless, you know, it comes from some understanding of the power of the living room the kitchen table and what can happen in that space the power of the porch and what happens in our intimate spaces you know what happens in the intimate space between a mother and a daughter or lovers where they're really like this shit this is a boot on my neck and how am to again breathe to get through this day i'm like so here for this this conversation about intimacy right now and so I, I think that 
you know, all of that nuance, all of those juicy details, all of that, 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 you know, close touch paying attention to is absolutely critical and key and a part of the magic of performance, a part of the transformative nature and quality and opportunity that performance provides in order to, to help us suss out, to bring into focus, into clarity, what liberation looks like in our personal lives and potentially what it looks like on a global scale. Hmm. I often say, you know, in my, in the, when I have the opportunity to kind of spiral out like this, like the opportunity you're providing for me, that I feel like if folks, if the world paid more attention to performance technologies coming from black women, mm-hmm. right? Womanist technologies, the technologies of queer folks, of trans folks, of gender non-conforming folks, if we venerated those performances, uh, theatrical and everyday performances, mm-hmm. if we really lean into the brilliance of that, the well of resilience that comes through those technologies, then we would answer a lot of the world's problems. And it is to our own detriment as a human species. Mm -hmm. It is to our own detriment as, as a nation, as a globe, as a speck in this solar system that we don't do that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a good segue to ask you to just share about um, your new performance piece, 125th and Freedom. Joe, I'm over the moon excited. I am like doing internal backflips. This shit is, I just am so excited that the universe has said, yeah, yes, black woman. Yes. You better take these people down 125th Street. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you won't be able to think about anything else until you do. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what is happening. I'm the, I am the type of artist that does not need to be prolific in that I need to be making art for, you know, for, for production purposes all the time. I definitely make work that it happens in intimate spaces work with my students. I support lots of work and, and p- other people making work. I only work when it's time. Mm-hmm. And this is a piece that has just gotten louder and louder. Like, you know, I've had friends, colleagues, mentors, people who I look at as aspirational figures like Paloma McGregor, like, like the Urban Bush Women franchise and, and crew. Um, and, and, you know, like Camille A. Brown as, as not just, not just artists, but visionaries, right? And I can go on and on and on by naming people. Being able to experience their world is a medicine for me. Those folks, you know, that I just mentioned, then other people as well. It's just, it's just medicine for me. And and it's so good to have friends who are, who are medicine folk in that way, who are bringing the type of, you know, work to the world that is critical and necessary for us to be thinking about our longevity and our thriving uh, as, a, as a species, <laughs> as a human species. Mm-hmm. 
And so I, you know, and I look at, I look at then folks who I feel like do a thing every now and again. And, 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 you know, if you see it, you see it. If you don't, you don't. If you happen to be there, great. If you don't, you don't. And the type of, you know, because they're doing other types of performances. They're, they're building families and they're raising children and they're growing food. And I just want to, you know, as a way to say ashe to, to the ways in which we move through the world as artists and affirm that 125th and Freedom, this new piece, has been existing in all of that those intimate spaces, whether seen or unseen, and is informed by the brilliant work that's happening around the world right now, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of, well, I don't need to be on the street right now. I need to be listening to these folks. I need to be watching these folks. I need to be working with these folks. And that type of generative reciprocity is what has really provided all of the resources I've needed to get to this moment. And this moment is time to go to the street. My practice, while I, I do have the privilege and the honor of directing and choreographing other folks' work, it's time for me to make a piece. And um, because of the way the universe holds me, my ancestors hold me, you know, it was very clear that this piece did not need to start in, a, in, you know, in terms of a debut in a theatrical space. Mm -hmm. That we needed to be on the street, we needed to be in the public, and I needed to be ambitious and rigorous in whatever it is I was going to do. Like, it wasn't about crafting a 20-minute piece that is clean and neat and on the, you know, on the Marley floor stage. Although that's been a part of the process. I needed an opportunity to be messy, dirty, and in public to tell stories to build dances that really affirm where I am right now and my thinking about all of these theories that we've been talking about on this call, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, it is real, real important that, that folks find 125th and Freedom um, as a piece that is about cultural resilience. And, and this is important. I mean, you know, the, the work deals with my, it deals with gentrification and displacement. It deals with emancipation as a creative, embodied, political, social, economic practice. Um, but there is a piece around the way in which building a, a performance work that is situated in a question or a problem really can kind of put a um, box around the whole situation, right? Mm -hmm. And box it in. I had to shift my gaze and shift my understanding of what I'm doing this for. And it keeps shifting. You know, I have folks working with me in terms of logistics and administrative folks working with me on helping to keep this piece moving out into the world. And one thing that is so super crystal clear is that the artist gaze and the artist construction of a box that really kind of um, holds back the breath of a work is not helpful. So I had to let air in, basically. I had to let this piece breathe. No, because at first I was saying the piece was around displacement. 
and gentrification and that that's what it was about. And then through working with, you know, researchers and doing my own research and through iterative process and building community through these community ciphers, creative ciphers, I reminded myself that, oh, this piece is actually isn't about what's wrong. It's about what we want to grow. Mm-hmm. So shifting the idea of the piece of being about who gets to live where to being about how our bodies are, again, a technology, a home, a house, a space that is about nurturing, growing and cultivating liberation. That's 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 the thing. Mm-hmm. And what that means to be able to, to do that, the labor of that, the labor of gener- of working for liberation, the journeying for justice is is what i want people to leave this piece with when you come to 125th and freedom there are a couple of things that are 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 true one it is on the street it is on 125th street two is durational the piece is like four and a half hours long three you are going to be walking your body is have to labor to get from one end of Harlem to the other end. And when we get it done with this journey, it is so important for folks to feel like they have picked up along the way a new comrade, a new colleague, a new friend, a new idea, a new strategy mm-hmm. that helps this movement into a liberated Afro future more possible. I don't want folks to leave this piece like gentrification bad and there's nothing we can do about it. Right. I want folks to leave this piece with, we are living in a complicated world and cultural resilience is our birthright. Mm -hmm. And collective movement and action and creativity is our birthright. And and holistic breath as as an individual and as a community is our birthright, you know? And that's what I want people to live with and leave with and live with. and I'm at a point right now, Joe, where I am just like so inspired, energized, and a little nervous about, you know, because we, we're at that time where like everything has to come together in the next month, right? We go up on the 17th of August um, and I'm on the, on the 17th of September. And, you know, I've had the opportunity through um, funding and through residencies to continue to do the research work and the community-based work and the creative work to build big pieces of this, of this piece. Mm-hmm. And the piece will be activated by community members, by folks that are part of the community ensemble, by the performance um, public performance art fellows that are, have been training through BDAC and my students at the new school. So it's about to be a bunch of people mm-hmm. <laughs> um, having charging 125th street with this ashe, you know, with the ashe of we can achieve our cultural resilience. Mm-hmm. Achieve our mm-hmm. desires for liberation. That is what everybody is going to be in a month-long meditation about, you know? That is what I am asking folks to pray for every day, what we can achieve, what we can build, what we can conjure beyond this moment. Because if we don't ever, 
if we don't spend time really in that space, then what is this all for? What the fuck is this all for? If we feel like we, we, there's no option but to lose, then what is this all for? So I'm, um, yeah, so I am, I'm here for the collective meditation on resilience. And we will go into some dark places. We will go into some sticky places in the performance. Like, there are going to be some moments where, like, this isn't very resilient. I can imagine people saying, and that's cool. But, you know, ultimately, that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. got to deal with the reality. But where we're going is a deep investigation. For some people, deep. But I also want to just say, for other people who've been doing this work around building and cultivating cultural resilience, maybe not so deep. But an affirmation of tools and strategy for cultural resilience that are tied to collective journeying, uh, collective singing, collective breathing in public spaces. So yeah, reclaiming our breath in public, in the public. Yes, indeed. mm -hmm. Uh, So you were talking about um, this historical research you were doing. Um, Can you explain about how that um, drawing from our past has influenced um, this piece and what those historical moments were that you yeah. were at and considering? Mm-hmm. I mean, so I'm mapping the Underground Railroad on top of or alongside or weaving the, legacy, weaving the legacies of the Underground Railroad, the Great Migration, and the journey of 125th Street as a corridor and a conduit for Black radical imagination. Mm -hmm. I'm weaving these legacies and venerating these legacies to, um, to highlight what the historical work has been, what the historical labor has been for us to be where we are in this moment, in this day, in this time. And it is no way for me to make a work without paying attention to history. That's, that's dangerous and not smart. You know, it's no way for me to make a work and not really investigate the actual mapping of liberation and what that, how that's imprinted in our collective psyche in our cultural imagination, and in our physical DNA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and the investigation of, of history, of legacy, of what has taken place, and the mythology of what has taken place, Joe, it's so important. Because we sometimes, in the we, I mean, like, in the, you know, in the understanding of we as... I mostly, and then the collective kind of movement of some of our communities, we act like Harriet Tubman wasn't a real person. Mm-hmm. We act like that woman did not walk to freedom, literally. Sometimes we act like there are no blueprints, there are no strategies for our thriving. And it is really important to go back as a, as a collective body and say, wait, wait, wait. while you think we did not have these things i'm sorry that's not true Mm -hmm. we actually do have a blueprint for our ability to get emancipated 
we actually do have a blueprint that pre, you know, with that 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 happened without having a grant from the Ford Foundation, or mm-hmm. you know, we do have a blueprint, a map for how to get free. And if we just embody that, not just like as it's easy, but when we, as we embody that, you know, there's, we're unstoppable. Mm-hmm. And we are, whether we know it or not, because it's encoded in our DNA. Our, our ancestors put it there on purpose. It's encoded in our DNA. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, for me, paying attention to and being in conversation with the radical realities of the performance of liberation and emancipation that are not mythologies, not fairy tales, but real, real, real is important. Or I have no work. Mm -hmm. I have no way to imagine my future if I'm not in conversation and and listening to and and aware of our radical emancipated past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So much to, so much to think about as I'm just listening to you. Um, so anybody who has been following you in social media has begun to see your rollout of images and there seems to be an Afro futurist aesthetic in the way people were dressed. And so um, I'm curious to know, um, how does that play in this looking at the past, envisioning the future, informing the now? Um, how do you see that playing into um, what you are calling um, cultural resilience and cultural emancipation? Yeah, I just, so here's the thing. I mean, you know, I read Octavia Butler and 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 have kind of, been a student and a fan uh, and like watched the way in which Afrofuturistic ideas and practices um, roll out in popular performance and music and visual art culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think that, that there is some grounding and rootedness and experience with the aesthetics of Afrofuturism that I was just talking with my drama track about this this morning. It's cool to look at, but what is it grounded in? You know, mm-hmm. it's cool to read, but how do we activate the radical understandings and ideas and knowledges that come through Octavia Butler, for example, in our everyday lives? Like what are the strategies, you know? And I told when I figured out that, the, that what the color scheme and kind of what one of the looks, because what you're seeing is one of the looks. Mm-hmm. There are many, there are other looks that in other color schemes and other um, uh, adorning technologies that will be used in these. But this was very important for me. Um, this piece around dress your dress as you feel like you need to be dressed to represent your future self. And one of the performers who's in the piece um, public, like put a, a photo on Instagram of himself in the costume that, I mean, it's work is clothes that he's worn before, but with this as the kind of like the, the crux of it. 
And it, you know, he said, today I was my future self. And this was when we were doing the, um, you know, the promo shoot. And meditation, see yourself in the future. See yourself in, in generations into the future, you know, mm-hmm. um, whatever that means for you, however that, however that lands for you. And so I think it's really important. I think it's really super important, regardless of the popular kind of, you know, um, cultural significance right now. It is important for us to be in that deep meditation of what does it mean to be in the future? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, last year at, at this time, like literally at this time, I was in Accra for a street performance and street culture festival called Chale Wote. Mm-hmm. I've been following Chale Wote for several years. And in going there, it was basically dramaturgical research for 125th and Freedom. Being on High Street in Jamestown, outside of Accra, which is a street that runs along the Atlantic Ocean, very much like a hundred and feet. Being with thousands of people who are like experiencing Blitz the Ambassador and hip hop, you know, Ghanaian um, hip hop, and experiencing the food and the smells and the textures and the perfect processional performances and the attention to those kind of like practices of the future of the liberated future and the aesthetics around that affirm for me that yes absolutely yes we we will adorn ourselves in a way that represents our alienness <laughs> our our beauty our fierceness our fearlessness our ability to journey and, you know, our aspects, because there are some characters even that are dressed and, and, and performing the future that remind us of where we come from. Like one of the characters in that beautiful church hat, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I do think that that's, that that's significant. I do think that that is, um, it's also so aesthetically pleasing, you know, so there's some joy in being alien, paint your face, you know, um, put on these metallic amulets and be fierce out on 125th street. That, that is, that is a, a, a survival performance, a thriving, you know, a performance of thriving that is absolutely critical um, to charging the performers with Ashe. Um, and 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 building you know a a, a loving self practice of imagining yourself into the future so you've given me a lot to chew on um moving forward and i just want to just end by saying is there anything else you'd like to add and tell us yeah you know um folks should come and see it the tickets are on sale now if you hurry and and get a ticket. You can do get a pay what you can donation ticket. You can get a free ticket. There are a couple of there are a couple of different ticket levels. Um, we'll be launching a friend raising fundraising campaign um, to pay for production costs. And um, 
All the information you can find on our Facebook page, 125th and Freedom, um, a choreoetic, a choreopoetic ritual performance. You can go to Betty's Daughter, um, Betty's Daughter Arts.com and also find all of this information on our blog site. Um, and yeah, we look forward to, to seeing you on 125th Street, September 17th and 24th. Plan to be with us from 12 to 5 p.m. Those are Sundays. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, and looking forward to attending. And thanks for being on Art at the Intersection. Have a beautiful Friday. I want to say thank you for listening to Art at the Intersections. I really do appreciate it. Um, and if you haven't yet, you can follow us in the Apple Podcast app or you can follow us on SoundCloud. We're also on Twitter at AATI28. Again, that's at AATI28. And we'd love to keep the conversation going. Until next time.